you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open. You be queen. You were fire. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters. They called you wisdom. Proverbs. On the backs of diamond-eyed school children who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise. Be smart. Be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone, and prayer. Be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, wife told her daughter, and daughter told the ancestors, and the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come dropping gems, dropping gems. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Brown. Today's show, I'm super hyped because this girl is a fave of most of the people that I've run into. It's funny because sometimes people see that we talk on Instagram and they'll be like, oh my God, you know her. What? I'm like, not only do I know her, that is my friend friend. 
<laughs> that is so funny to hear. Today's show, we have um, just one of the bossiest boss women in the business. She is killing it in the broadcasting world. You first saw her on TMZ, where she really broke so many barriers and created lanes for so many people that came after her. She then went to The Insider. You have seen her taming wild, wild <laughs> conversations as the Love and Hip Hop reunion host. And she is currently a host on E! with two of her own shows, Nightly Pop, Dating No Filter, and you have seen her on every red carpet giving absolutely serving looks and giving expert commentary as a news correspondent. So without further ado, we have the eyebrow god herself, <laughs> the <Not> full-time <laughs> soul snatcher, Miss Nina Parker is on hey the girl. show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited we can make it happen. I know. You know what? I want to <laughs> fill um, everybody in and how we first met. I was trying to think back. I was like, dang, at what point did did we like fall in friend love? I know. Um, <laughs> oh, I remember how I met you. It's been a long time. I don't. Okay. You tell me and I'm going to tell you. We were backstage at a um, CeeLo. I went to. My God. Yes. It was. Um, shit. I feel so old. What was CeeLo's group's <laughs> name? What was the group's name? What, what, what group was CeeLo in? Oh, Narls Barkley. What, what, wasn't there one before that? Oh, Goody Mob. Goody Mob. Yeah, of yes, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we went, it was a Goody Mob, like something. And oh. CeeLo was performing and Echo invited me, you, our friend Echo yeah. who's in PR, um, had invited me and you were there and I had seen you just like on social media, I think at the time, I'm not sure what social media we were using, but I remember giving you my business card and I was like, hi, you know, I'm Nina from TMZ. And I introduced myself to you and gave you my card and you were super nice. We were both backstage and, um, you know, cause you were doing radio and yeah. I think I was just like, you were just somebody I wanted to know. And mind you, this is like when I was kind of still new to LA. So I was just like, she just seems like somebody who would be cool to know. And I, I remember introducing myself and being like, hit me up. Here's my email. If you need anything, like if you get any stories and you were like, okay. And super cool but that's I, the first yeah. time we met I, I remember think. and I thought it was so cool um just you being like a dope ass black woman on TMZ and like killing it in the broadcasting world um and I loved like from the moment we met I just loved the way you carried yourself oh, and you were you. so funny but so gracious and you just had so much integrity which especially in that space right like the space of specifically TMZ gossip right. heavy space it's so rare right like normally when you at least back then would meet people in that space you kind of like maybe want to take a shower later mm -hmm. because you felt like you were getting finessed for right. like information, right. or, you know? And I was like, yo, she's dope. And then I remember, okay. So I don't know if you remember this, but one of my biggest memories of our like early, early friendship was you like did me a super solid. I did? What yeah. So at that time, so what I was really, really early on the, the curve of was whenever I'd have an interview, sending it places. Okay. This is before obviously far before Instagram mm -hmm. um, and it's before like blogs have evolved into what they are now. Right. So like most talent in radio did not cut up bits and pieces of their interviews mm -hmm. and even post it online. Right. Let alone cut up pieces specifically and send them to blogs with like recaps like, Hey, today I interviewed so-and-so. Yes. So like how you're seeing like the breakfast club interviews today. Right. That's kind of like what I was doing a long, long time ago. Yes. Um, obviously not the same reach. I'm not trying to take no credit for nothing. Uh, but, but you, you know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was early on stuff like mm -hmm. that on navigating social. 
So I had just started doing mixtapes. Me and Terrace mm-hmm. Martin had released some products, we, uh, projects. We released this project called Hear My Dear, which did really well. And it had, uh, we had like a very early Kendrick on it. We had Snoop on it, Corrupt, even Charlie Wilson. Mm-hmm. Lot of, lot of dope talent. And then we released a second project called The Sex EP. Mm. And for those not familiar, though, I know many of you I are. I feel like, like I remember, I'm sorry to remember this. Is, he's a really, really dope producer and artist a lot of infusion of jazz instrumentation meets hip-hop right he's fire he's produced some of your favorite music we did this project called the sexy p my boy Rhett one oh, i remember this designed the cover of it right? yes i remember this now the cover of it was two breasts in purple and it said the sexy p debbie dev terrace martin yes and unbeknownst to me it was an image of Kim Kardashian. Yes, I remember this now. Her breasts from her W Mag shoot, right? So this is when the lines were really blurred. Yes. Like we didn't have the same type of content restrictions as we do now. Right. So it's it like was just ha- if social it was media a free, was new, so there were no so rules. New. So if it was like a free project, you didn't have to worry about getting songs cleared mm-hmm. um, or samples cleared, and you didn't really have to worry about photographs or attributing credit or anything like that, right? right? So I remember um, Kim tried to sue me. <laughs> I've never told this story before. So basically <laughs> she somehow one of, well, what I found out later was one of my friends loved the project was playing the project was friends with someone in her life. I think it was her brother. He saw it and was like, Hey, I know whose boobs these are like, and then took took our mixtape back, you know, to Calabasas. And, <laughs> and then I got sent from, um, Chris Jenner, a cease and desist oh my God. about this mixtape. It ended up doing, it ended up great for us. But what I loved was I had sent you the project because because of that cease and desist letter, we had to pull the project, mm. um, just to be safe. And we re-released it as the sexy piece, cease and desist. And we used somebody else's breasts as the cover. And we put like, you know, our cease and desist into the project, right? Great marketing. But I had hit you up on like my blast list just in the hopes of, you know, posting the project, right? Obviously I knew it probably wasn't going to be material for you, but I figured like, Hey, you know, I want her to be in the, you know, in the loop of stuff that I'm working on. So you did me such a solid because I remember you said, hey, girl, so we don't post mixtapes on TMZ, but I'm going to turn this into a story because we're going to talk about this cease and desist. Mm-hmm. And you ended up featuring the our mixtape on TMZ TV. Yeah. Like you did a whole segment about it. You're like, my girl, Debbie Dev and Kim Kardashian sent her this letter. Yeah. And, you know, and it ended up really helping us with the project, got us great exposure. Yes. And I was like, yo, word to Nina <laughs> for giving us that look. <laughs> I had to be creative back then because, you know, when I started there, I didn't have any contacts. I didn't know anybody in LA. I had, I didn't start there with like a Rolodex, Mm. you know? And so I was like, I'm gonna just have to build this. And there were, Harvey had rules. We weren't to, to report on pregnancies. We weren't to report on weddings, engagements, um, no mixtapes, no, no music really, unless it was Mm. like suing. 
So often people, initially a lot of the people I met in entertainment were black, but a lot of them were in music. And I was like, well, damn, like I have all these music contacts. I need more news contacts, but how can I like use this to, to like get us, get stories about like black people out there. So that's why I was trying to find different angles of stuff where I was like, I could cheat this and make it something (laughs) else, but I'm going to mention your thing, you know? So that's kind of what I would have to do. Like, I'm going to mention you, you know, people might come for you, but you know, but it was, it was, I actually remember that story. I remember writing that. That is so funny. Yo. So I've been asking Nina to come on the show forever instant response was yes, yes but finding time in her schedule has been crazy it's annoying. I feel like such a horrible friend because I feel like I have not mastered how to manage my time mm. in a outside of work I can manage work time perfectly perfectly I can squeeze three jobs in one day and shoots it's really difficult to, for me to manage my friendships yeah. with my work schedule um, and being in a relationship, it's just a little overwhelming. So yeah. I am just trying to always apologize to my friends oh, about like my lack of availability or like choosing to sleep over <laughs> certain things. I feel, I feel very guilty lately. But, but what do I say to you every time on text? I'm always like, colon, no pressure. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, you know I don't what I mean? feel it from you. It's right, all right. from my own internal things. Yeah. There are some friends who guilt me more, way more. Like you're one of those friends. I know if I didn't even see you for six months, yeah. we would just get back to where we are. You wouldn't judge me. You would, you just be like, you would just be more like what's going on. Like, have you been? Yeah. Um, but there are certain people who definitely, okay. So I guess we're starting this already. Oh, come on. I have been struggling in my friendships and I, Mm. this isn't something I've actually talked about, but I have been struggling in my friendships as a woman in her thirties, who is, I live with my boyfriend. We were in a home. We're kind of, we, you know, we have a dog or we have this life that we're building together, working like three shows minimum, because sometimes I guest on other shows like Steve Harvey or Wendy Williams, where I'm flying out of town to do those shows. So guesting on shows and then solidified two shows with E and then also a several times a year filming the love and hip hop reunions. Yeah. It's very overwhelming for which all these takes productions. huge chunks of your time. Yes. Which yeah. God is good. So thank yes, you for yes. these blessings. <laughs> but what people don't tell you is like you managing your relationships outside of like your own with work are very, it's, it's an art that yeah. I have not mastered. And I'm not sure a lot of people have because most successful people I find don't have a ton of friends. They have mm. like a core group family and that's kind of it. And I've, as I've gotten older, I've found that a lot of friends that are not in the business, cause my friends in the business seem to have a little bit more of an understanding, Yeah, but my friends outside of entertainment don't have the capacity to understand kind of pouring your blood, sweat, and tears into something 24 seven. And not that their jobs don't require that, but they have those boundaries or yeah. they, you know, I have friends who are, you know, in work for the city that, you know, they, they do their holidays, their nine you're, to fives. And that's, yeah, that's what they're, that's how they're fulfilled and they have their families and that's it. Your busy is different than that busy, yes. not better than our lesson. It just right. looks different. It's funny that you say that because earlier today, uh, my girl, Jazz Fly had put this on her story. She said, anybody that says, you oh, know, I saw this. you make 
make time for, you know, excuse me, what you want to make time mm-hmm. for, blah, blah, blah. She said they've never actually been busy. Yes. Because there has been legit things that I want nothing more than with my whole soul to yes. have time to do yes. or people that I, to have time to see. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you're just a human. It's yeah. just not possible. And I think especially when you're in media and you're, you know, doing something like this, where yeah. you're doing a podcast and giving to people, or for me, I often am, you know, I'm not an actor, so I'm giving myself every time I get on set my opinions but I'm also you know giving a hundred percent of my energy to be a hundred percent authentic yeah when you're off you're decompressing mm-hmm. so when you have those moments to decompress you don't necessarily want to be surrounded by people because yeah. it's very hard to like give all of your energy to something and then just go give it to other people. Yeah. Sometimes you need those moments to recharge. And now that I'm in a home with like a pool, sometimes I just go and I sit out there and I'm reading or I'm, I just don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. Like I, I was thinking to myself, like, am I having like a social anxiety? Because I just haven't no. wanted to go anywhere lately. You're but protecting your magic. I think that's what it is. Because Trademarked I was like, by Fadia. <laughs> but yeah, you're protecting your magic. Yeah. I think it's, it's just been, I haven't, it's, I've never been, I haven't had this much work yeah. in my career yeah. where I'm at right now. Normally I'm managing one show. So over the last couple of years, it's grown. Mm. And with that growth, I haven't quite learned how to manage my social relationships and yeah. they've become more important to me. So I've paid more attention to like who reaches out to me mm-hmm. or who checks on me. Mm-hmm. And my energy has shifted towards the people who don't do that. So I'm not necessarily spending a lot of time with, you know, I was like the brunch queen like five years ago. Remember, I was planning brunches every weekend. Epic brunches. Listen, like a group of women, like it was great. Yeah. But I often found that a lot of the people that were coming to these brunches would never reach out to me. It was always me reaching out, me trying to maintain this level of, um, you know, I guess like, you know, a level of the relationship out in society that I didn't mm, feel like was reciprocated. And that's really to me. a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what, you know what I found? Um, we have to, ex- not only do we have to extend grace to our friendships, we have to allow our friendships to evolve into yeah. the age brackets that we're in a thousand, you know, percent. like the thing is life shifts, life mm-hmm. changes. And I think People that are not choosing growth yes. and not expanding in their personal lives, they're the hit dogs that holler yes. when things change for other people. Yes. And for them, we just have to still send them love mm-hmm. and wish them, excuse me, growth and the best. Um, but we can't take that on and take it personally. Yeah. If they're upset, if, yeah. if even if they're emotional because of it, it's not our responsibility or job yeah. to fix it. We have to focus on ourselves. I think that's something that I had to learn how to do yeah. because a lot of times I was hurt by it. And like, I wasn't that sin love person. I was like, forget them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think I had to have conversations with you to yeah, like get yeah. me more centered because it hurt my feelings. And then I realized I was hurting people's feelings and not knowing it. Mm. Um, you know, I even my, my own cousin, I had a conversation with like my cousin lives in another state. We were very close for a really long time. But my cousin got married at 18 and um, had three children and never quite got to live her dream. She, you know, did a lot. Her husband was in the military. She traveled. Um, 
and she's probably going to hate that I'm telling this story, but I love her. Um, <laughs> but she traveled with him for many years and just his, his goals kind of, she had to live with his goals for a while. And she went to school online and she pursued her degree and she did things for her. But I think her family, especially so young, took a precedent over her life. So now that yeah. she's, um, you know, her kids are, are about to either in college or graduated. She's still very young in her early forties. I think her expectation of our, of our relationship was going to be different. But when she was coming out of that season, I was kind of coming into getting into a long-term relationship, solidifying my career. Yeah. So the, the, I think the relationship she thought she would have with me once she got to this place mm. was different. But for me, I'm like, well, look, you moved away when we were young, you traveled the world, you know, with your man. Like I didn't say anything about you moving to Germany or you pursuing your life. So for me, I felt the expectation from her to me when she felt I couldn't reciprocate in the way that she yeah. needed. I felt it was a little unfair because we were just at different stages. When it's kind of like the idea that you can't judge people based on who you are. You have right. to judge them based on who they are. Right. You know, we have to be re really realistic about the rules of engagement of the people that we have relationships with yeah. in our lives, you yeah. know, like you're one of them. Right. And some, and I have other friends like this, like I'm at a season in my life where things are moving at a different beat. Cause mm -hmm. I just had a child, right. You know what I right. mean? So my days look completely different totally. than they used to. And the type of free time I have mm -hmm. is at different hours. Even than today to meeting our time. You were like, are you coming at this time or this time? Cause yeah. I need to know for this baby. <laughs> And it's like, yeah. you know, before where you, you might've been like, come anytime. You, yeah. you gotta, you gotta set a boundary. <laughs> Nina you texted know? me. She was like, I'll be there at 11. And I was like, is it 11, 11 <laughs> she did. or is it 11 30, 12? <laughs> Just let me know. Cause yeah. that means I can give the baby a bottle. Right. And do, but that's um, what you like. That's an adjustment that yeah. like, you have to do that. 30 minutes makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it's like, and I think the, the older we get, the, and the more responsibility we have, the more we value those 30 minutes. Yeah. You know? And, it, and I think, you don't want to waste it doing anything that's not important to you or oh my serving God. you. That is my biggest issue with people in my life who run late. I, I find running late to be as adults, one of the most disrespectful mm -hmm. things you can do to another person mm -hmm. running late happens, especially if like us, you live in LA because traffic is nuts, Yes, but it's a matter of like how you finesse running late. Yeah. Like, don't tell me if we're meeting at 12, don't hit me at 1205 yes. to say running late. You hit me at yes. 11 o'clock to tell me running late because 100%. then I might not want to get on the road yet. Exactly. Or I could say, you know what, since they're running 15, 30 minutes behind, I needed to make this call anyway. Mm -hmm. Like allow me to maximize my time right. as I see fit instead of using it to check my watch right. and look around the room. Yeah, well, it's like just, I think, you know, we're in this sp space, I think, where when we met each other, we were in our 20s yeah. and we were in LA and we were living this life and, and going out. And now, you know, we're in our 30s and we're growing. You just had a baby. And I think it just life just kind of adjusts you yeah. and it's, it's hard and different to like, <laughs> you're like, dang, my, this is really my life now. And yeah. so people don't understand, like if it's hard for them, imagine how hard it is for us to like have this, these different responsibilities so on us and trying to articulate that to the people that you love who are used to you being one way and can't accept that the things you used to do, you can't do anymore. The bigger illustration of that type of scenario too, is that sometimes we just grow at different rates, mm -hmm. right? Like even if it didn't show up right now as a manifestation of people feeling a way about the way you use your time, 
they're at a stunted level of growth, mm-hmm. which is not a judgment. It just is. And so that yeah. would have shown up in other ways too, even if you had all the time, you know, sometimes it's just this like subconscious battle of, I know I haven't grown or I'm not growing. That person has, I'm triggered. Yes. You know, I think so. I think a lot of it is projection Yeah, because I have friends who, um, are very understanding who are just like, okay, girl, I'll see you when I see you. I'm, I'm rooting for you. They, they retweet my projects or post my stuff. And it's like, I saw them yesterday. And then I have other friends who feel away about not seeing me. Yeah. And you know, it's like, well, I don't feel like this friendship is a priority for you anymore. Oh God, come on guys. And I've had that. I recently just had this conversation <sighs> actually with a friend yeah. who, um, is not a social media user. And, Everybody who uses Twitter knows you get 240 characters to, to, to surmise a story. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you don't give all the minute details. You just kind (laughs) of, especially if you're trying to empower other people, which I feel like I use my Twitter to help empower other people who are in my position and to talk about Game of Thrones. So like, I feel like, you know, (laughs) two uses here, you know, news gathering and then just kind of talking about spirituality or like, you know, connections or what I may have gone through because I made so many mistakes, just kind of telling people the human side of this entertainment business. And I had someone who I get, they're not on Twitter, but they sent me a, a screen grab of a tweet of mine and said they felt a way about it because I said I didn't have any friends in LA when I first moved here and they were my friend. So they felt a way and didn't talk to me for months. And I didn't even know that they felt a way. And my first, and mind you, we're in our thirties. Like we're, this to me is a, a, a little bit of a curious conversation to be having. Yeah. We, we should be a little bit more mature because the first thing space. I would do, if you tweeted something that I felt a way about, which I doubt would ever happen, but like, I would just call you or text you and just be like, but even the act of that makes me feel paranoid. Like, I'm just like this, it just, to me to think that this is about you. And it, and literally it was a, a thread trying to, a a girl had reached out to me on Twitter saying that she felt alone in LA saying that, you know, she was out here, she was hustling. She didn't know, like she didn't have any friends and she was frustrated. And so I did this thread in response to that and basically saying like, look, Sometimes not having friends can be a blessing because when I first moved here and I still stand by what I said, when I first moved here, I knew three people from college and they were not available to me the first couple of years that I was here. I knew them, but these were not people I was seeing all the time. They were this was when MySpace was big. That lets you know when it was. They were having parties and posting on my top eight. Okay, exactly. (laughs) I wasn't invited. And, and they, and we, we were in our twenties and figuring life out. They didn't owe it to me to like embrace me and take me everywhere, but they didn't. Mm. I was in the Valley. They were all the way in Inglewood and there were just things I wasn't invited to. I felt very alone my first couple of years in LA and I'm, and I'm allowed to tell my story. Yeah. And because of that though, because I wasn't in my twenties and distracted by LA, I was able to focus on work. I had landed the job at TMZ. And it allowed me to work weekends, holidays. It allowed me to focus because I wasn't being invited anywhere. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to use that like empty space and fill it with work and make connections and network and and climb. And that's why I was able to. And in the tweet, I basically said in a summary was like, when I first moved to LA, I didn't have any friends. And instead of looking at it as rejection, I looked at it as God trying to show me something else. And I use that space to fill it with productive things. And sometimes you, you don't understand God's plan until hindsight. And she took that personally, instead of seeing the message that I was trying to convey and kind of it ended the it ended our friendship for the most part and it was sad to me that a tweet could end our friendship but 
I know that it's not about me no. and I still, and you know, and, and even in the conversation, it was still filled with love from my end as far as, look, I love you this, but I'm allowed to speak my truth. And the thing is when you're a public figure, you are allowed to talk about things that other people may not talk about on a big space. So mm -hmm. I'm people, I can understand people feeling the way about that, but you know, even when you get older, you think this kind of stuff is going to be relegated to your twenties and it's not <laughs> people feel away about everything you do for the rest Listen. of your life. I know some 70 year olds that have beef and right. I'd be like, how, right. how are you and Mildred fighting right. like this? It's like the biggest <laughs> facade that we've been sold that you mature out of certain things. Well, yeah, that it's all about personal growth because it's like, I know people have like, you may have someone in your life that it's like, wait, we had so much in common in high school, but mm -hmm. it seems like they haven't changed since high school, mm -hmm. but I'm so different. Right. And now you seem light years apart, like age. Yeah has nothing to do with it 100%. if you don't stay open and right. you don't pursue growth you will have the exact same mentality mm -hmm. the exact same emotional intelligence as a 15 year old yes. as you did when you were 15 mm -hmm. if you didn't challenge yourself or rise to the occasion in other aspects percent. of your life even when you are 75 you know? I, I have my dad is i think my dad is like 66 now and he has his friend and the friend has always been this crazy guy who, you know, back in the day, because my dad is from L.A., back in the day when he was in his 20s, this guy was, you know, pulling, you know, doing doing a lot of illegal things, yeah. right? In the, he was just in the streets. Moving weight. He's still in the streets. Oh, he literally called man. my dad last week at the border and was like, can you help me? Get, I lost everything. I need help to get a, like his life is still a crazy mess. He oh. has like eight kids all over the place and he's in his sixties now doing the same thing. And my dad is like, you better find, you better get on the mega bus. Like I'm not, I have a family. I'm going my dad is like, I am retired. <laughs> You've been doing this since we were in our twenties. Like, aren't you exhausted? And it's like, he was telling me the story and it was a funny story. But I couldn't believe how much his friend had not grown. So yeah. he was literally the same man, still irresponsible, still no relationship with most of his children, still calling my dad out the blue for help like he did when they were in their 20s. It's one of the reasons my parents moved to the Bay Area in instead of raising me in L.A. because all of my dad was surrounded by was his friends who were, you know, drinking, drugging, breaking the law. And my mom was like, I don't want to raise our kids in this type of environment. And I don't feel like you're strong enough to tell these guys no when they need mm. help. We're going up north. And they ended up moving to the Bay because my mom was like, it's cheaper housing and no drama. Yeah. And, it, and he said in hindsight, like at the time he fought tooth and nail, but my dad did say my mom saved him because he was kind of in these streets. As women do. As we, child. <laughs> Listen. And they still together, child. <laughs> so. And it's so funny because it's like to be alive, to be a human on this earth, age and time are guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Growth is not. Mm -mm. You know, mm -mm. age and time are absolutely guaranteed to us. Yeah. That factor will never change. Mm -hmm. But growth is fully dependent on us. The and quality of our life fully dependent so right. on us. And it's and it's been I would say these last two years have been very sobering and heartbreaking at the same time. Mm. I've lost some friendships that I and I still deeply care about those people. But but I've learned that you can't grow with everybody. And sometimes you kind of phase out of friendships and relationships 
with no intention to hurt anybody. Yeah. You find yourself and you, no, and no actual beef. No, like, no, no we beef. didn't have some type no. of big blow up. No. We just kind of eased away from Sometimes each other. It would be easier for me to just be able to cuss yeah. somebody out. I'll, it, it'll have closure and it'll right. have, it'll have a definite reason. Exactly. Say, We're not friends because right. of, like, I have a couple of friendships where I'm like, I don't, we just don't, we just felt, we just stopped speaking. Yeah. And, and you, and, and there's no beef. Like we didn't unfollow each other. We still like each other's photos and I still wish nothing but the best for them. And, and somewhere along the way, it just shifted. And I think, and it's, and I think also in the past, my priority has always been to fix that. In the past, my priority has always been to be cool with everybody, make sure I'm on, you know, good standing. And if something is wrong, I got to fix the problem, but I no longer have the energy for that. And so if it doesn't seem like it's reciprocated, well, it's not, it's not even about the energy. You know what it is? I think sometimes, and you are kind of like blissfully moving into this space. Mm-hmm. It's just the accepting of what is yeah, and that being enough and that yes. being okay. It's, it's so funny because it made me so sad at first, not sad in the sense that I necessarily wanted to maintain the friendship, but I've always just wanted one of those people that like, even when celeb couples break up, I'm sad. I'm like, Oh, I really love them together. <laughs> like I've always just had a problem with people leaving each other's lives. Even oh, if I wasn't involved, like oh. I always hated to see breakups. I've always hated, and I never could understand like seeing somebody together for a long time and then they just separate and they start dating other people. Yeah. I wouldn't even be ready to move like, on. But why can't you fix it? Right. Why can't right. you come to some I've always just wanted that for other people. Mm. So for myself, it's been, it's, it was initially difficult and now it's easy breezy but it's I've I've always had a little bit of separation anxiety with Mm. that for others and for myself and I don't really know why but as I've gotten older my I almost had like a emotional maybe mental even breakdown earlier this year I had a health scare I had I lost my grandmother Mm. um I had the month of February I think I worked like one day I, I had one day off in the whole month I worked like every job I had in February plus award season. And I was going through like just major turmoil. And I just was like, I finally had to have a talk with myself because I was going to lose it. Like I was, I literally, I was going in between doctor's appointments and work. And I was like, I don't have, I, people were texting me about this innocuous stuff. And I was like, I finally had to make a decision that I could no longer Put, give my energy to things that weren't serving me for real, for real. Cause sometimes I think people say that and they don't really mean it, yeah. but I really, it was, I, it felt like it was either me or them. And I had to just say to people in text, I can't deal with this right now. I can't help you with this right now. I am overwhelmed. This is not in a negative way, but I just can't give this to you right now. I, I gotta say, I had to keep myself afloat. Mm. And there were a lot of people who understood and there were a lot of people who didn't. And that was okay. But there was a point where I just, I no longer, it was like a breaking point where it was like, I have to choose myself, my health, my peace, my Mm -hmm. wellness. And I had to do, start doing things. And in my relationship as well, I had to start setting boundaries for everybody because it was killing me. It was trying to please everybody, keep everybody cool, pay my bills, go to work. My health was suffering. It was just like enough already. And, and what, and I never realized where I was at until I lost some family members. And that was like that kind of final stress on top of everything. I didn't realize how close I had been teetering for so long. How beautiful though. Like I know as you're looking back on it, you're like, Ooh, February. It was like the worst month of my life, honestly. But it was like 
the freedom that you needed too, right? And maybe a thousand percent. And I'm a big, big believer um, that you know God only comes to you through pain sometimes mm. when we're not listening. Mm-hmm. You know, like He'll whisper to you, and if you yeah da da da, you start knocking on that door, child. Then He'll punch you in the face. Yes, <laughs> God. <laughs> God stays catching face yes. with me. <laughs> and you think it's all going to come together. Like it was like my career is going so well. How can all these things be happening? Like you, you in your, in your idealistic young mind, you think if you have the perfect job, your life will be perfect. You don't realize, first of all, you don't realize how much you got to work. Yeah. Nobody tells you how much sleep you don't get. Yeah. People don't tell you how hard you have to work to stay where you are because mm. you, the, it, the, the journey and the things when I hear people speak is always about getting there. We don't hear a lot about people saying what you got to do to stay there. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. And it's a lot of, and it really brings a lot of reckoning to you because actually it's funny. Me and um, Nicole Kane from Exo Nicole, we were having this conversation all weekend about how we had to become really realis- realistic with ourselves about what we really wanted our day-to-day life to look yeah. like and success to look like. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of what we take on is the pressure of other people's expectations of us, even mm-hmm. in the best way, even thousand fans, percent. right? Because like you have fans that are like, Oh my God, right. Queen. You are I this. saw Nicole's post and she was like, don't ask me where my abs are. Cause a lot of people <laughs> now see her body and they're like, she probably feels like they have this expectation of how she's supposed to look. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Hey, this is still my journey guys. Right. You know, like right. this is still my choice. And she says something really profound to me. Um, she was talking about how she had realized that she wants to have impact, but she doesn't care if it makes her a billionaire. Mm. And so she doesn't want to take on the lifestyle and pressure as if she's looking to make a billion dollars because that at this moment in her life is not Mm -hmm. what's important to her. Yeah. And I think like for this year, big, a big shift for me came because my, for so long, my self-worth was tied to my productivity. Mm -hmm. How productive am I being? That's my value. Yeah. You know, and, and I've been in transition out of that for many years now, just as I've been making more breakthroughs about myself. But I heard this question, quote at the top of the year. And I said, that's my intention for the year. Mm. And it was don't build a life around your career, build a career around your life. Mm -hmm. And I know, and that's not everybody's desire, you know, but I know, okay, what's really important to me, my peace, having time to grow, having time to share, share my gifts and my purpose in the way that I feel is going to impact in the way that I want to. Yeah. And at this moment that doesn't include going viral. That doesn't right. include like, which there's nothing wrong with those things. Right. It's just not for the long-term vision that I see yeah. for myself that other people don't know about mm-hmm. and couldn't comprehend the things that are on their goal list for me right. are far different than what's on my goal list for me. And that's important to know. I think, um, when I was in transition from my relationship, Devs just snapped the hell out of Sorry. her neck. Y'all thought she was taking herself out. <laughs> you did a little John Wick move just now. <laughs> if you know me, you know I am always popping my back and neck. She's but... crazy. Oh, child. <laughs> um, but uh, I forgot what I was saying. Um, you know, they like. I think someone asked me when I was on a break from my boyfriend, like, what do you want in a relationship? And I didn't know. And I was like, damn, how can I demand anything when I don't know? So mm. I had, I took like a year to like figure out what I wanted in life. And, and I still feel like I'm not quite there yet career wise, like, cause it's always changing for me and I'm very hard on myself. And that's something I'm learning about. 
but I think it's important to know like what like for me how I was telling you how just laying in my backyard like that's peace to me I feel like I might have phased out of going out and yeah and and that's the part that we girl can I just say for a second we put so much pressure on ourselves about that because especially like for people like us that are on more of the top end of the millennial curve, we yeah. remember life a little before, a little after. Yeah. We kind of have one foot in the way the old regime mm-hmm. operated yes. and then in the way the new regime yes. operates. A thousand percent. And also our 20s were so tied. And, you know, I'm speaking specifically to us because yes. we came up in our 20s. We were in L.A. We were yes. at a lot of events. We were yes. doing a lot of things. And that's the way it's supposed to look in your 20s. Mm-hmm ideally by the time you make it to your 30s your 40s your 50s you are in a different space with your career so the need to be out every night is not there but we don't we don't take time to sit in that and we think oh my god if I'm not out every night then I'm falling off I'm missing out I have FOMO oh people are going to think I'm irrelevant because I wasn't here no all of that stuff was necessary and fulfilling in a different phase of my life it's not actually necessary to what I'm building in this moment a thousand percent it's also not what I want in this moment Mm -hmm. and listen the second you hit 30 the way you sleep the way your sleep is set up is a little different and people say it and you think when you're in your 20s you think it's bs you're like my body isn't gonna change and and then then it's literally 1205 on the clock on your birthday and you feel a little quick you feel a little something it's different your metabolism slows down like you need your sleep more it has to be like your best friend you have to regulate a lot more and it's difficult to navigate because in your mind you're still in your 20s yeah and you're like i can do this i did it before you think because you've always done it that way yeah you can keep sustaining it and your body is like no you cannot and you're not allowing yourself the grace to evolve into whatever the now yeah, is that's so true you know it's so i don't know if i've told you this story i'm gonna tell you, you're gonna get hot but um <laughs> oh boy also, what I'm really noticing a lot in my life right now is how much I don't subscribe to the societal expectations placed on women. Yes. Um, I think we are always, if we allow society to tell our tales and if we allow society to direct us, we're always going to be in a place of lack and deficit. Yeah. You know, because on one end, it's like if you're super career driven, if you're killing it, if you're doing all this great stuff, mm-hmm. then you're minim- that's minimized right. and people will instead comment, oh, well, you ain't got no man mm-hmm. or, well, why don't you have a baby? Oh, you don't mm-hmm. want a baby? Something's wrong right. with you. What right. kind of woman doesn't want a baby, Right. right? Then if you have a child or you have a family, then it's like, yeah, she has that. But what else does she have going yes, on? Yes. Oh, but she's not doing X, it's Y, and Z. Well, she's something. not a boss. Yeah. It's like, there, and there's no winning, right? When right. you, when you subscribe to those type of projections, right. like the expectations for us yeah. are so high. The expectations for men are bottom level mediocre. hundred percent. And as soon as I figured that out, I said, oh, I'm not putting myself through this stress. I'm I'm letting my, I'm going by the beat of my own drum. But I have this experience um, that I found out about like last year. And it was just to me further, further confirmation that I am living the life that feels good to me. Mm -hmm. The quality of life that matters to me above all else. Um, When I was this former boss I used to have, he would always, you know, when I'd be at work, killing it, excelling it, excelling, he would always focus in on 
well, you're married, so when are you going to have a child? Like, you really need to have a baby. First of all, you're my boss. Why are you right. talking to me why about are you this giving at work? Me, like, yeah. Why are we discussing my womb at yeah. work? Right. But he would always have, you know, his two cents about it, how much I needed to have a child and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yeah, you know, when I'm ready, I will. I always knew, even after getting married, that I wanted to wait five to seven years mm-hmm. before I had a child. Mm-hmm. Always knew I didn't want to have kids till I, at minimum, hit 30. Right. Always. Mm-hmm. So I did things in the exact time frame that I wanted to do mm-hmm. them. I ran into this person when I was nine months pregnant, mm-hmm. right? I was walking around the Grove and I ran into this person and I was so excited to see him mm-hmm. because I have great relationships with probably 85 to 90% of yeah. anyone that I've ever worked with. Yeah. And people matter to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the relationships that I build, especially when it's a day in and day out type of thing, we're investing in each other's lives. They matter to me. So when I saw him, I was so excited. I was right. like, hey, how are you? And, you know, he was just like, oh, hi, good to see you. He hadn't seen me. I was nine months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Multiple people that work at that place mm-hmm. let me know in the preceding months that when he got back home mm-hmm. and was in a staff meeting, with everyone that I had worked with for mm-hmm. many years and with a lot of the people that I had personally hired in the meeting, he said, Oh yeah, I ran into Debbie. She's so pregnant. God, I feel so bad for her. She's not doing anything with her life. What? In a meeting, in a, in a professional meeting oh, with my, my former coworkers oh my and people that I had hired. You're right. I am hot. Girl. (laughs) And I was so, and I remember when the first person told me that story and related to me, like a tear fell out of my eye because I felt so disrespected by someone that I respected. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like, number one, you don't know anything about anything that I'm working on because I no longer subscribe to what you find to be your calling, or I no longer care to have the day-to-day rat race that you're still Mm -hmm. locked into or because maybe the vision of for my life and myself has expanded in a way that you don't understand because you are a man 20 years older than me right you would tell a room full of people that me being pregnant is me not knowing what I want to do when you were pushing me towards that yeah when I was under you and then you're like oh okay yeah as a woman you can't win right and also it's like you obviously clearly don't know me right or don't know like that's the most hurtful thing i think when when you hear something like that almost not that the person said it that it's someone who you thought knew you yeah who is they might as well be a stranger oh i thought you got me right but this whole time you're a stranger this whole time you have not been able to fully compute right the fullness of who right. i actually and am and you see how one dimensional that did. person is how one dimensional yeah and then you're like well damn was i was my meter off but you know it's like sometimes i feel like people regress as well so i feel like that's almost a projection that he's in the same space he's in yeah. the same place yeah you oh, know for sure yeah because that has to be about him and not about you and it's and I was wondering I was actually having this conversation this is a little off topic but I was having this conversation with my best friend because I was saying you know in my in my career it's it's normal for me to call a spade a spade but I don't feel like I've ever been a mean person like I'll, you'll never you'll never find anything of me saying this person is this person is fat this person is ugly this person is stupid like I don't, I don't talk like that. And I'm not around anybody who talks like that. I don't, you and I have never had a conversation 
ever where you've called someone out in a nasty way about the way that they look or something so surface. Yeah. And I, I often feel like there are some people who just kind of stay in this small box of projection. Like yeah. I believe anybody who talks the way that he talked or anybody who calls someone ugly or anyone who can say, Oh, well they're just fat. Like people who talk like that to me, I've never heard them say it and believed what they were saying about the other person and a hundred percent made me look at them and wonder what was going on with them to make them even say something like that. And I'm sure everybody at that meeting took that same thing, which is why I got back to you Yeah, because it's such a one dimensional way of thinking. It oh, just every, makes yeah. you look so every person that crazy. I talked to about that was just like, if you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. First of all, clearly yeah. he doesn't know you. But do like, you even he's like... a mess. Like, who would say that? Right. And who would say that in front of people? Exactly. Like, yeah. It's just... I've just, I've just, I just feel like it's so, so one note. I remember when I first started at TMZ, uh, there was this copy editor that kind of took me under 
his wing because when I first started there, I was just writing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time, TMZ was really quirky. It was, we, you know, we were breaking stories, but it hadn't quite hit, like we hadn't broken the Michael Jackson death. Like it was still kind of a quirky site. And so we would write about like the celeb videos. And I think it was like Brody Jenner or something like that. And I was calling him like a rich kid or something. And um, I remember the writer t- pulling me aside and being like, I know you're not this one note. Like I know mm. you, I know you have, there are so many funny things you could say about this and, and yeah, he's rich. We know that like what else? And, and it really blew me away because wow. he was like, it's so easy to call someone fat or uh, ugly or, Oh, they look dirty or, you know, he's like, this is so, it's also one note. Like if you, if you want to be funny, be funny. And if you wow. can't be funny, then just write the story straight. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, and it really checked me. And I'm glad it was in my 20s. Um, And I wanted to take that outside of work and make sure that that's how I applied it in my life. And I think because I I was that way, I only attracted people who were similar. I I thank God that I've never ended a friendship because somebody was just a mean, nasty person. Mm -hmm. It's been because of our personal differences. But I would never say any of those people are mean, nasty people. Something like what he did is just so nasty and mean and, and dark. Yeah. The, especially to even say that about a pregnant woman just irks me. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it, you wonder like, in, and in, girl, and my pregnancy was so difficult. Yeah. Like, what he didn't even see is like you seeing me 65 pounds heavier than my norm. Right. Right. It, it, it was such a struggle mm-hmm. for me to get out of bed that day. Like I was battling depression during my pregnancy. Um, A lot of it obviously is chemical. And a lot of it was because I was nauseous 24 seven, throwing up 24 Mm. seven for 10 months. Yeah. When you feel that way, it's so hard to have joy in your life. Yeah. Like imagine, imagine when you normally get a cold or sick or when you have food poisoning. Right. You feel like crap the whole day. You're not going to run out and frolic and do all these things, right? right? You're not feeling like your best self. Well, when you feel like that every day for close to a year, you know, like just being able to me, it took such a psychological toll on me, me even being able to get out of the house that day into the sunshine, right? To walk, to experience, to like, it it was so hard for me. Mm -hmm. I threw up on the way there in the car, you know? And so then it's just, I think, um, I think it's also just such people, as we've talked about through this whole show, their, their levels of projection, right? Mm-hmm. Like it also might've just been, he felt a kind of way because I quit, Yeah, you know, because I left that job though. I thought I left on good terms apparently, right. but <laughs> apparently maybe not, but you know, I had left because I wanted to pursue other things that were important right. to me mm-hmm. in my life. And I wanted to move back home to Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, hearing that and I quickly let go of it. But in that afternoon, it definitely it definitely made me sad. It, it, it made anybody. me sad that someone I respected yeah. would see something that was both a very beautiful and challenging time in my life. Yeah. Me carrying my son. How would you not see the beauty in that? That's and then also it just blows my mind because this and person then pushed disregard you. me in that way. They yeah. were pushing you right. to do it. You talk to me every day about my damn womb. And then when I do it, it's it's and so that's how you know that it was never about you having the baby yeah yeah and and there's also no satisfying people like that right because anyone like that 
any any way that anybody sees you is fully based on how they view themselves and how they view the world the good and the bad and I tell people this all the time like when I have people like oh Debbie like you have so much peace or Mm -hmm. you have light I love you it's like yeah you feel that way about Mm -hmm. me because you also see what's inside of you yeah and I'm giving you permission to tap into that but not everybody like I've seen you deal with trolls on online yeah and i know especially like when Dwayne was leaving and going to a different team there were a lot of people who were trolling you yeah and you handled that with a lot of grace and you let the chopper go a couple times which yeah. was warranted <laughs> but, which was very warranted because there's a lot of racist up in these up in these comments sometimes yeah and i remember people were making all kinds of crazy comments and also please know i'm always from la okay no right <laughs> deepak but also have tupac okay if you see her house you know she got Tupac everywhere <laughs> but it was crazy you handled it with a lot more grace than mo- most people would but it was just kind of like what people feel they have the right to say to you yeah because they yeah. think they know like a caveat about your life that they get to dictate what happens in it yeah and I think it's like people's own sense of worth and their own sense of lack in their life because for them it's like whether I give you a compliment or I'm, I'm giving you a criticism. I'm, I'm standing a little bit of t- a little bit taller because you responded, mm-hmm. which on a deeper soul level is that is just them saying, I don't feel important in my life. I don't feel seen. Even if you respond to me in a terrible way, right. you saw me, right? I exist. It's, it's, I just, have something. it's so true. It's why when people troll you and you respond, they say, Oh, I was just kidding. Or, right. oh, or God, they say I like, Oh, you responded. Respond. That means exactly. it's true. Or it's just, and, and, and that's been, it's going to be interesting when we look back in the history books in 50 years and social media is right. taught in schools, like yeah. the origins of it are explained. Yeah. Um, and the mental, the psychological and emotional toll that it's taken. But my, my rule of thumb for stuff like that is, um, 90% of the time, never respond yeah. because you don't even want to introduce your audience to whoever these people are I agree. because no one that follows you even knows this is happening yeah. to you. And then you plant the seed that you yes. get talked to in that way yeah. for them. The other 10% of the time though, yeah. <laughs> I always think respond if it can be a teachable moment. Yes. You know, so there mm-hmm. have been some comments that, I mean, I, I, I could care less about it. You, you are easy block or delete right, away. I won't right. think about it at all later. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people I have actually responded to just because I know people are watching Yeah, and I want them to see how I handle a scenario right. like that. Right. Like, and so for some people, um, and it hasn't happened in a long time, but I, if I get a random like comment from someone who has an anonymous page because that's what always, it always is always. right like no pictures or mm-hmm. zero followers uh you know sometimes I've responded and just said and I and I true I'm not even trying to be like petty positive like I truly mean this mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that you're hurting yeah my that, life that doesn't always... feel that way you know <laughs> my life does not feel that way yeah. and so i can imagine that if my life felt that way that i would seek out someone i don't know mm-hmm. or create a fake page to right. say something it's nasty so to somebody there's something wrong inside yeah, yeah. your life is not full that's how you there's know not you're that mature much joy when you're you know? not mad when you see it you're more concerned right like, like are you does your insurance cover right. therapy? Because you should get it. I that's actually something I've struggled with. No, you do a great job because the other day, and I meant to grab this tweet before I saw you, but Quest, baby, life. Yes. <laughs> um, but you, the other day, you you had this tweet that I was like, oh, I want to frame this. Really? Yeah. Someone had made some comment 
Um, I, uh, I wish I could fully remember it, but someone had made this comment about you. Um, and I want to say like, it was in relation to you being curvy and being on the E network mm-hmm. and the way that you responded, I said, Nina, like, <laughs> clap. because it was so, it just, it fully highlighted how small their mind was yeah. and how simple mm-hmm. their thinking it was. A, was. It, I think I remember what you're talking about. And I think he had said something like, cause I'm, I think I was standing next to Ziri Hall who is very small. Yes, She's like, this a, was the- Ziri is like a negative zero. And I think I was standing next to her and obviously like I've got boobs and you know what I mean? Like I am a size Hips, 14 yes. child on TV. It looks bigger. And so I think it was someone like you shouldn't stand next to someone that's small or it was in, in that, in that uh, vein of like, I should be embarrassed or, or, and it's just so funny. Cause I don't feel that at all. And the funny Why thing would is you feel that at all. Like- I was just like, Oh, <laughs> so it retweeting it, even though he was insulting me, I retweeted it. And I think yeah. I said something and, um, Lonnie love ended up responding to it. Mm. Um, and, and it started a conversation, which was great, but I feel like it's so funny how people want you to feel bad about who you are. Like it's, it's so, it's like this social, it's it's something I'm fascinated with because I don't feel that way. I'm fascinated with people who want you to feel bad about being secure in, in who you are. And I'm, I wouldn't say I'm secure all the time. Like I have moments just like everybody else, but I'm very confident when I'm on air, nobody's getting with me. And that's just the deal. I come prepared. I know my stuff. Yeah. I, I, I'm well, I've, it's well thought out. And I'm also encyclopedia for celebrity information as yeah. far because I've been doing it for so long <laughs> so I can give you backstory. Like I am, I, to me, I am very confident when I'm on air about what I'm delivering. You may have a problem with my opinion, but you'll never have a problem getting facts from me. I'm, I'm never one of those people that gives wrong information. And so in those, in that sense, I just feel very fearless in front of yeah. the camera. And so I love that for me, I would have been more offended if he was like, she don't know what she's talking about, but it's never that I never get tweeted. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's always something <laughs> one note about a look or, you know, and people have a right to feel, you know, however they want to feel, but it warms my heart to get so many women because listen, E was known for being a very white skinny girl yeah. network for a very long time. And if they had maybe one, one or two black reporters, people felt like they fell in line with the traditional mold. Mm. So when he hired me, it was different. It was a different change. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a part of black Twitter in a sense where people know me, uh, people see me on the love and hip hop reunions. They've seen me on TMZ and now here I am at E and I think for some people they want to keep you in a box. So they don't understand where to put you. And I love that. I love when people don't know where to put me. I, I think that's a, that's a superpower a, a hundred yeah. percent and I can navigate in most spaces like most black people can like where we all have to navigate in different spaces that we may not normally be in is there a certain burden of responsibility when you're like the first yeah I mean I think sometimes you know I used to feel that at TMZ a lot because it was a lot it was very edgy and I always felt like I had to be the voice of black people you know, this van wasn't there yet. Yeah. It was like just kind of me. And I was like, I, I got exhausted because I felt like I always had to speak up. So every day it was a debate and they would gaslight me. You know, they would do things that they knew I would have to say something about. And it, and I, because if it aired and I didn't, then it was like, damn, Nina, you just sat there and let them say these things. Yeah. But I got tired of fighting every day because it gets tiring fighting a fight every day that, you know, it's impossible to win. It's nobody was changing their minds Ooh. there. 
So if I thought it was going to make a significant difference to the way we reported, then I think it would have been okay. But I was like, this is not, that's when I realized I had to leave because I was like, oh, okay, I get it. This is a shtick for them. Like this is, let's anger everybody, rile everybody up. And then we're going to do it again tomorrow. We're going to report this. We're going to do these things the same way. Mm. And for me, that was difficult because I like these stories really affected my community. Black people really get affected by what happens with our celebrities because it's not just a celebrity to us. Whitney is family. Michael Jackson was family. Mm. Prince was family. So when we're talking about these people and it's being treated with such like gloves. I walked out on TMZ on Obama's inauguration day because they were making fun of Michelle's dress. I left that day. I walked out what? because I, I was crying in the office and we were watching the inauguration and they wanted to do, they, and they did it. The story's still there. They did a story. She was wearing that black and red dress in his inauguration and they thought it was ugly and they did a story about it. And I thought this is such a monumental moment. And this woman is just such an embodiment of mm. what black magic is to me yeah and this there was cornrows in the white house and i see these little girls who are in the white house and they they got she got her mama with her and it was such an important moment for me and they wanted to do a story and i just got so upset because i would fight in the newsroom i would be like we are not doing this and i obviously i fought about it and they're like it's you're it's not that big of a deal nina you're taking it too seriously and i left and i was just like i'm out of here because i just felt like it's it doesn't mean it didn't mean as much to them as it did to me and I just realized that our goal was never going to be the same yeah. and you know and I had I had to move on and there's no love loss in that area like they got to do what they got to do it's a mach- it's a machine at that point but for me it was hurting my spirit because mm-hmm. I was I wanted to be able to be at a place where if they wanted to say or do whatever I could say it and do as much as I needed to do freely to defend my side, but also feel like it was going to make a difference. The celebrity space can really be a lot, right? Like, especially when you, you have to offer up commentary, which means forming opinions, sometimes forming judgments, like a lot, it can be a lot of chaos, like the news that you're reporting. Um, it can be both heavy or just sometimes feel really, salacious Mm -hmm. um how how do you maintain the beautiful integrity that you Mm -hmm. carry yourself with and the peace that you invite into your life Mm -hmm. when your work is sometimes really dependent on hearing a lot of like cutting commentary yeah well for me I made the decision like I told you about the copy editor that I spoke to so I made the decision early in my career not to insult people for the how they looked only for their behavior So that was one of my rules. I only insult people for their behavior, never for how they look. If somebody came out with stains on their shirt, I wasn't going to talk about that. Right. But if you came out and you were drunk and you passed out on the street and the cameras caught it, then I might say, well, this person's acting a fool. But I made the decision to only say things on air that I would say to the person's face because Mm. I live in L.A. and I might run across them. Write that down. <laughs> and I wanted to be able to defend myself because this is the thing. Like we have a friendship where we're, where we can be honest with each other with love. Yeah. If I was messing up you, I know you would pull me aside and be like, girl, I love you, but you <laughs> got to sure. get your ass together. You would do that. And I feel the same way about some of these celebs. I love some of these people, these people I may have a crush on or whatever, but a lot of people think if you report on somebody, you always have to be nice to them. 
you're not allowed to have any type of real feeling about it. You have to be, have this general like happiness for them, no matter what they're doing. Ooh, yeah. And I always felt like I was doing disservice to the public who's screaming at the TV. Like y'all don't see what I see. Like this person acted a damn fool. I'm not allowed, you know? So for me, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to say exactly what I would say to their face in the most eloquent way possible. Sometimes funny. Sometimes it's just a joke. Sometimes it's just lighthearted and just a funny joke. And and we all have been able to be the butt of a joke sometimes if we were looking or acting crazy. But for me, I made the rule that I wanted to be able to say it to their face. And I wanted to be able to have ethics about like who I wasn't going to, if I wasn't on set, then it wasn't my business. So like if I was at a party and say you had an event here and you had a bunch of different celebs here, I would never take anything that happened here and talk about it on air. Mm. So what people started to notice after seeing me out in LA and they would never have their business repeated, they would never see me talk about it on air unless it was like an intense conversation where I would tell them, oh, I really want to talk about this. Most of the time, if it was in a conversation I felt need to go on air, they would just come in for an interview or something like that. But people would be around me and sometimes doing things that are illegal or whatever, and it would never get back to anybody. I made a choice that I was like, I'm not going to repeat anything I see when I'm not working. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're on a red carpet doing something crazy and cameras catch it, I can't protect you. But if I'm at a private event or if I'm at a party, I'm not taking any of that back because I have my off times too. I've argued my boyfriend in public. Like I've had things that I don't (laughs) want people to know. So I had to keep a line and I always made sure that I'm not, I'm more of a host now than I am a reporter in the sense of like, I'm not calling reps and getting statements I don't really do that anymore but when I was I made sure that if we were reporting a story I always called and got their side of things so if there was a story about a DUI if there was a story about domestic violence if there was a story about a break-in or even if a story about something as small as like somebody said something about them instead of just running the story I would always make sure to call them I would always make sure to either call them or their rep and let them know hey the story's going up this is what we're saying it's going up regardless I want to give you an opportunity to tell your side of the story or at least give a statement. What do you want to do? Even if they decided not to respond, I just wanted to have fairness so that they could be able to tell their side of the story. And a lot of people wouldn't say anything, but they respect the fact that they were asked because you would be surprised how many stories go up where people don't even call and ask for comment. Mm. It's like you, you wouldn't even have a story to run. I would just tell you it wasn't true. And they, and there's so many people who appreciate I've cultivated friendships just by calling and being like, Hey, this is about to run. Just want to let you know. That's really how I think the ethic thing got instilled in me very early in my career. I had some really good people around me that were like, we don't operate like this. And my friends that are still in the business that are journalists, I tell them all the time, like, make sure you give them both sides of the story. Like, don't just run with this because you're going to burn a lot of bridges running with a rumor. You know, it's just not ethical. And that like now the lines get blurred too, because when you are a host, you're also now the celebrity too. I guess I still don't feel that way. (laughs) But is that, you know, how do you feel? Do you feel like people apply the same rules to you that you're given when you report on celebrity? Probably not. Mm. I always feel like my, my boundaries are much harder than most people's. Like, I feel like I'm old fashioned in that sense. I feel like I'm, you know, make, I'm a person just likes boundaries. So I probably apply that boundary pressure more than most people. And that's okay. Like I don't expect everybody to, to treat me the same way. I don't probably 
won't get that same respect in, in certain instances. I haven't been in the press a ton. Most of it is stories that people are calling me for to do an interview. I don't really get like gossip stories about me every now and then I'm on the shade room, but like for the most part, <laughs> it's like <laughs> normally it's for something said on camera. So it's not like my personal life or anything yeah. like that, but it's different. I remember talking to Wendy Williams and she said that she doesn't have celeb friends on purpose because she was saying that it gets hard to do your job as a host because you're not you you're, you become biased you know and so that's been difficult for me too because I genuinely meet people that may be celebs that I genuinely with. like yeah. but I have to tell them I still got to do my job and I'm gonna do it in the most respectful way possible but I still have to be able to do my job and be who I am without you feeling offended by it because sometimes even when they follow you you don't want to retweet certain things or you know like Nicki Minaj follows me and then Cardi B follows me on Instagram and sometimes I'm like if I post this is somebody gonna yeah. feel away but then I'm like I gotta do me right, you know right. so it's just just like they would do them but it's a, sometimes you feel weird especially because you know you have a platform yeah and people you know want something from you but there's so many nuances now to like yeah. the social world and the social relationships that we have mm-hmm. and it's like oh are you gonna see this yeah or even just in 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 line of like how much of my life is going to remain personal and how do I keep it that way? You know, because since we've kind of have first signed up for Instagram where it was just before this space to kind of share your personality, your personal life, just little musings, or Mm -hmm. we used to post random pictures of the most random things. Now it's a more curated experience and it's more, especially for public figures, it's used as a marketing tool, not as a tool of self-expression. So it's kind of like that weird balance. Well, what do I post? Well, do I want to post my man or do I want to only post work things or do I want to post, you know, it's just like, it's this hard thing that that it's hard to navigate and then the bigger following you get it's like well I'm really allowing a lot of people into my life yeah um that's part of the that's part of like the conflict I have about whether or not I ever want to post my son on social media and it's not that I mean obviously you know he's not northwest so I I'm not not posting his face because I imagine that like oh no the paparazzi um but I'm just still kind of struggling with how am I going to navigate this space for him Mm -hmm. and what is like considered too young to require consent and what isn't right because now unlike me everything about his life is going to be on the internet forever yeah until you know the end of time so how do I want to introduce him to the world and how much of him am I going to give to the world? Because it's still his business. Mm -hmm. He's a baby, yeah, but it's still his life. It's still his business. You know what? I don't want naked pictures of him on the internet or not that that would happen, but you know, even what would be cute in the tub, right? It's like, well, how, how is he going to feel about Mm -hmm. that when that is a piece of his information? He can never scrub from being online. Um, and also just like, I kind of want to keep him for me. Yeah, it's, you know, I think I don't, I don't, unless it's like Mother's Day and it's an old picture. Yeah. I rarely post pictures of my parents. Yeah. I don't post my, any of my other family yeah. members on social either yeah. for that reason. It's just, mm-hmm. you're inviting just, into their lives I can something they it, didn't sign you know? up for. Like I can take it. I signed up for it. People troll me. That's fine. But you know, like. I have a mom who was sick. Like my dad is, you know, I, I just, my sister, like I just, I am still me. I'm still, you know, from the Bay and there's never, there's always going to be a biting part of me. Like that has been my hardest part with this whole transition is that the way you want to clap back, you can't clap back because yeah. you could lose your damn job. Right, right, right. So I have 
really worked since 2007 <laughs> to try to just control my mouth, right? And it's sometimes hard because people really, really say things to you they would never say to you in person. And people can get really nasty. Like, Oh, yeah. They think there's no consequence. Right. They think there's no consequence to it. And so sometimes I understand those celebs that have a million followers and they retweet the person's insult. And then everybody says, well, they're getting doxxed and they're doing this. But it's like, the, even though I have a million followers, we're both still human beings. Like, I'm allowed to feel emotion. And there's a part of you that does kind of have to turn off with these, with these trolls. Yeah. I get trolled a lot for love and hip-hop. So... For my stuff with E and when I did stuff with Access. Very different audiences. Very different audience. They would more come at me for my opinion. So it's like, I disagree with you about this. That's fine. But like with Love and Hip Hop, that audience is more visceral and obviously fueled by a lot of drama. And really, I have nothing to do with the show. Like I have nothing to do with the show. I come, I literally get emailed the episodes. I watch the episodes on my own in addition to all my other work. And I come in, I cultivate these questions with production and I, I do an interview. That's a reunion. And then I go and I leave and people are very intense about the show. And it's, it's look, it's VH1's highest rated series and it does really well, but people are very invested in these other people's <laughs> lives and they hold you personally accountable. If they don't feel that you ask what they would ask or, yeah. you know, everybody thinks they can, be a host everybody thinks they can do these things until it's time to do it and and there's also but people don't understand that this is not just like as easy as like me and you sitting down this is a production so it's a, a you're trying to get you're balancing the energy right. of like 15, 15 people 15 to 20 people at who one all have time. their own egos who yeah. all have their own temperaments Very definitive who all want you to talk about one thing and then you have a network that's telling you what they want you and literally in your ear like and you yeah. have an earpiece then yeah which I, have I think the, people don't realize and they right. might say push them harder on this yeah or, well there's like a full audience so the yeah. audience is kind of fueling the energy in the in the room so sometimes like even if the first person doesn't feel combative if the audience is like ooh or ah then they that because mind you these are reality stars so they're very much ego based so they respond to that so i'm dealing with a, you know, a control room full of people talking to me. It's not one person. It's a control room full of people in my ear. I have the audience. I have the cast members who are talking who I need to try to pay attention to. You know, I have questions that we've already had mapped out, a floor director, prompter. So it's a lot of moving pieces to navigate and still be able to have like fluid conversations yeah. that feel natural and still get some type of result from people who don't want to answer your questions. Like they want to be at the reunion and they want to be able to say whatever they want to say, but the questions are never going to be geared to cater to them. So if you acted if you cheated or had a threesome on your wife and I have to ask you about that, imagine how I'm going to be met. So I'm dealing with all of that. And then you get somebody in your and also comments. It's not your fault. You have to ask that question. It's their behavior. Well, and that's <laughs> the thing. And they don't want you to talk about yeah. the behavior on camera that they signed up for. So you're right, dealing that you're with literally getting paid right. for. I'm like, I you're didn't getting make this paid up. for that behavior. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a, Sorry, that's uh, I have a smart home. So <laughs> someone's at my front door. They've got this fancy house. <laughs> I just hear people at my gate. We at the <laughs> ranch. Um, but yeah, so yeah. It's, it's um, you know, when I get people in my comments like you didn't do this or you didn't, and also they 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 edit it however they see fit. So I very well may have asked the question, and they chose not to include it. Sometimes mm. the things that I want to ask are obviously more deep. Like sometimes Mona will be in my ear, like, "Okay, Ayanla," <laughs> she said that to me a few times, and they'll cut it. And I can't do anything about it. And, and it's not, I'm not mad at it. It's not, 
I will not be in the edit bay for that. So whatever they choose to include is, is this is not a show I executive produce or write on. It's a job as a host and I enjoy it for, for what it's worth. And I leave it when I, when I fly back to LA and they can do what they want with it. And so, you know, people are very invested in it. I suggest they get careers in production to try to make their thing and, and, and see if they can Spicy. do the same thing, you know, so I encourage that. <laughs> Okay, before I get you out of here, um, because girl, when we be talking, yes. like, let me tell you, me and Nina, our brunches go for ten hours. It's bad. Uh, <laughs> we we're I, I'm sure our significant others are like, are y'all really with each other, or are you having an affair? Something? Are you, you doing going all day somewhere? Yeah, because <laughs> we can go. We can go for a long time. And then like me and you, the way that we are, like the the type of connection we have. If we don't have enough time, then we'd be like, dang, but. I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Why are all these other people here? Because yes. I wanted to talk about X, Y, and Z. We get mad sometimes when it's not just us at brunch. Because yeah. we're like, because uh, and then and then we kind of click up because I'll be whispering to you like, we'll just be whispering in the corner. And I'm like, I don't want other people to feel, you know, left out. But sometimes it's the only thing for your ears. So, yeah. you know, we have to do our own solo stuff sometimes. So what are some things for your spiritual health, for your self-care, your self-development? Tell me some, for our listeners, some podcasts, some books Mm -hmm. that have enriched you that other people need to get their hands on. It's so funny because you have the the seven spiritual laws of success right here, which I just reread not too long ago. I have that. Um, I have to say, I'm trying to think about, okay, I'm actually reading. Okay, you guys are going to laugh at me. So I'm reading. I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I'm reading Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus right now. OG book. Okay. It's an OG book. I'm sure you've heard your parents talk about it. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> books never okay. go out of style. Obviously, you've got to put your own spin on it because it's a dated book. So there are probably going to be some social norms for men and women in there that yeah. you should ignore. Like However, on there, they're going to be like, if you're in the AOL chat room, right. you should consider. <laughs> and I mean, the, the author does kind of have certain things for men and women that are very like some things you feel a little outdated. But OK, so my mom recommended the book because I'm in a relationship and we have growing pains just like everybody else. And there's definitely been some headbuttings for like a man's way of thinking and a woman's way of thinking just like oh why doesn't he understand when I do this I mean this why does he understand when I vent I don't want advice I just want to vent girl I don't need your (laughs) advice I know how to solve it problem solve yeah I just want to be heard yeah and so my mom recommended that I read this because she was like your dad was frustrating me for a really long time and I read this and it really there are some there are some gems in there that you can take to help improve your relationship so i Kept telling her I would read it. I never did. So she sent it to me. So I'm reading it now. And I have to tell you, as archaic as this book is, it has a section in it on how to talk to your man when you want to discuss something mm. and when the best time is to do it. Mm. Because I realized that my timing has always been off, which is why I haven't been getting the result I wanted. And this book tells you about men, their moods, how men have this thing. It says men have this thing where they... they tuck themselves in their this own mental cave. And if you're trying to talk to them while they're in that, like they phase in and out of it, that's just a man's way. That's what the book says. And it's like, if you're talking to them while they're in it and you try to pull them out, you're going to get more resistance. So it's like when you feel like you're not being heard or listened to, you've got, you've got to face the timing right. So Ooh. it's taught me a little patience and it's taught me how to, and I was like, is this a bunch of BS? So I tried it, I actually tried it today. I was reading it yesterday and I tried to approach something I wanted to talk about and how and realized how you approach things and how you phrase things can change and it gives you 
it, it'll tell you like how to talk to him, how to phrase it in a way that it'll be the best received. And I was laughing at it, but it worked today. So I was like, this is actually like, oh, note to sell. So that's what I'm yeah. reading right now. And you guys can <laughs> laugh at me if you want to. But sometimes I feel like when I talk to my girlfriends about my relationship, we're all kind of like, they're dumb, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to just get a different perspective. <laughs> right. Like when you, like, when you get in, in like group conversations with women, it yes. always will boil down to men are trash. Like, it's just like, <laughs> sorry, you know, guys, we sorry. love y'all, but like, sometimes I just truly don't understand their frame of thinking. Yeah. Like I truly yeah. do feel like they're aliens. We have, we, we do have just such fundamental differences. Yes. Um, and specifically because of yeah. the way society has boxed men and women. You know how we got categories. into the conversation? I was able to ease into it because Ayesha Curry's statements today that came out. Um, it'll probably be a little dated when the podcast comes out, but that's okay. So she made the comments basically saying that she didn't feel attractive and she was insecure about her attractiveness because everybody knows that she's with Steph. So men don't approach her and how she was saying that she still wants to be hit on, even though she's married because she feels like no one is attracted to her because they're so used to her being this mom and wife and how it makes her feel a little insecure. So brave of her to say that. So that was my take. I took it as her being vulnerable. Most of us don't talk about our insecurities. My man felt that she was giving a green light for men to come hit on her. And I thought that was a very simple take. Well, men are so territorial anyway. Well, that's right? what it's he like, said. He's yeah. like, you're giving men a green light to come and hit on you when we created this safe space together. So we had it first. We started with this debate because I was like, you're ridiculous. And yeah. then it ended up being able, we, I, I was able to kind of maneuver it into talking about us and, you know, our boundaries and social cues and mm. what would be. And I was like, so you're not really upset about her being, you know, feeling insecure. You're upset that she said it publicly. And he was like, well, I guess it was just the way she phrased it, but we were able to kind of I'm always curious as to how men think because I think their thinking is more zigzag than ours. What's funny too, like even Jess and I had a conversation like this a while back, but I I totally hear and get what she's saying. Mm -hmm. Like I I think it's very brave that she would say that out loud. hundred percent. Because the fact of the matter, like the way that men and women see the opposite sex and see what the, you know, proverbial green light or red light would be is so different because for a man, if a man is in a relationship, it makes women hit on them more. That's what I said this morning. Because they say, I see what you're capable of giving. Exactly. And I want that for me. I also like a lot of women, their worth is tied into whether they feel comparatively that they have one up on another woman, right? Like a better fashion or more men like them or better career or more money. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women's self-worth is tied into that. So for a woman, for some certain types of women, if they see a married man, they're, they're saying, if I can get him to pay attention to me, that means that I have value. Yes. That means that I can feel better about myself Mm -hmm. and they see it more as a challenge for them to feel that they have worth. And they also see it as, Oh God, I don't, I personally don't come across good men. So if I see somebody treating someone else really good, they're capable of it. And I want some of that at at any cost Uh men, the way that men view women in relationships for the most part, uh, the way they view women in relationships or marriages is they're too territorial. 100%. Oh, you have someone else. There's a chance. They turn the light off. There's a chance that you are being, uh, interred by another person. Right. <laughs> right. 
don't not interested I, that's, right? and that's what they were telling her she was on there with Jada which is why I think I don't think she was prepared for the conversation which is why I don't think she articulated it in a way that everybody received it yeah. because I think Jada has a way of making people open up that make them talk about subjects that they were not necessarily prepared for and the way mm. she articulated it, a lot of men had a problem with how she said it yeah. but I think she was just probably saying it for the first time out loud to even herself yeah and she was around these strong women who are all experienced in marriage where she felt like she could relate. Her mom was there. Her mm. sister-in-law was there. Her, you know, Jada was there. Willow was there. She was saying these things. And I think she was kind of resonating for the first time about like, what is my worth based in my have this. And she was talking about how groupies bother her that she has so bad. She has bad anxiety. She has to take medication for it. Oh my so gosh. for me, I felt that wow. I saw the vulnerability in that. How brave of her. That's wow. what I, I didn't see it as. That, that's a, that's, I can imagine that that was an incredibly difficult conversation right. for her to 100%. have. And she is going to be hit with Well, everybody's, so I mean, much. if you go on Twitter later, it's people, you know, people are taking her to task for it. Mainly people who are seeing it in, in a selfish way. But yeah. like my boyfriend was like, well, she's telling people that stuff doesn't make her feel beautiful. And I'm like, this, I don't no, think this has not, anything to yeah, do with Yeah, that's not what it is. 100%. But it's just, and two, it's like, it... You know, not that we should be tapped into our ego, but it, it it's the ego of it, right? Because 100%. for him as a married man, mm -hmm. you can still not act on it, but feel flattered that, you know, a lot of people think you are dope. Yeah. A lot of women want you. He knows that off top. Off top, right? And you can get that little, like, have that little smile when, you know, you're walking down the street mm -hmm. and you know you're the man right that now. feeling of, you know, that someone wants your time and attention yeah. or finds you attractive. It feels good, yeah. even if you don't act on it. And which imagine you shouldn't. seeing it your feels partner good. on that scale get right. that attention, and, and then you on the flip side, right. because of the way men you're think, protected. Men aren't going to catcall you, and they're right. not going to. She's a she's stunningly gorgeous, right. very talented, very gifted. Yep. And but men are never going to come out of pocket to tell her like, wow, you look beautiful today mm -hmm. or damn girl or whatever ego boost, however right. it can come to you mm -hmm. because the way men see women is, oh, mm -hmm. she's off limits, not going to waste my time. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that, that would give you a certain level of deficit. Yeah. Like your man is getting that ego boost of, mm -hmm. of being fed into in that yeah. way. And you don't get any of that except from him. Yeah. Not to say it's not enough or good from him. Right. But it's a difference. I understood exactly yeah. where she was coming from. And even though I may not feel the way she feels, I can definitely empathize with someone saying that. And I, I just don't think, I think in this world we're supposed to be perfect. So anytime anybody's vulnerable, it's always up for debate and, 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 right. and, and for people to be critical. But I don't think people understand how hard it is to be a public figure and be that your authentic self. And your, she was criticized when she was Betty Crocker right. and perfect. Right. And right. now she's being criticized for being vulnerable. So you, it's and like what, what you I were mean. saying earlier. Yeah. Women can't win. You can't win. So, yeah. so you know, so it's the like, thing is like, and Say what you want. Yeah. Yeah. What's brought me some pieces. I know that no matter what, I'm not going to be universally liked ever because mm -hmm. that's not how humanity yeah. is. Listen, if Jesus wasn't universally liked, right. what hope do I have? Right. <laughs> it's, so, it's so true. And I think when you let that go, when you, you know, and I had to have that, I had that conversation actually with a coworker of mine um, because of a troll or something. And I was irritated and she was like, you know, I don't believe what the people who hate me say, and I don't believe what the people who love exactly. me say online. Yeah. You know, cause she was like, it's so fleeting. It's so fleeting. And it was such a and great again, point. It's wrapped in the way they view themselves mm -hmm. and the way that they view the world. Yes. Just like, you know, something that, that used to like be 
kind of irritating to me was like, I would know people, right? That were in the public space and I would see that they would be very hurtful to other people. Mm -hmm. Like the personal version of them to me was like, Oh, your, your spirit is trash at this Mm -hmm. moment in your life. Right? Like you are, you are at your core, not Not, a good person or you're steeped in narcissism or you might be a sociopath. right? Right. But because whatever they did publicly got attention or they kept doing it no 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 like whatever they did publicly the fame part of it people would constantly message them you are the most incredible human being Mm -hmm. i've ever seen wait what yeah because you like that they you know acted in this or played that and and it gives it gives people this sense of I can be trash right. inside because mm-hmm. I'm still going to get praise. And that used to, I mean, that used to really irritate me, you yeah. know? Cause you feel like you're in the scary movie and you're the only one who knows like the yeah. killer. Right. You're right. like, I'm the only one who knows. And yeah. You guys are being fooled <laughs> and it's a frustrating place to be in. But that's why too, it's like, you can't go off of the praise to the, totally. to the earlier point you were making. Yeah. Like you can't go off of the praise or the criticism. If you're in this industry and you're in a season where all you're getting is praise. Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, that season changes, which it will, because that's just the nature of the business. And you've put all of your worth in your career based on what these people are saying. You won't make it. No. There are people who we've started careers with who are no longer in this business because they couldn't deal with the ups and downs. Yeah. You know, and it's you, you have to be so solid in what you're doing that you won't waver either way because while it's amazing to get that love we all want it it's if it's your sole basis from these people who don't know you it will ultimately lead to your demise Mm. because they have no say in what your value is and and your your moral compass is not in alignment you know like then you're going to start making decisions just based on how they'll be received or or how you'll be perceived and you'll go through that where you'll figure it out i've done that yeah i actually had a reading that's the journey yeah i had a reading actually where the lady told me uh do not change when i was being she told me i was going to get the e-job before i got it and what she told me was, do not change your behavior for this network because you're going to think they want something else and you'll, you'll skew yourself to give them that and they won't want you. So I made sure when I was doing everything at E, I was authentically myself. Mm. She just told, and she was right. I did go through those moments where, listen, I am around everybody who's a size zero and they don't necessarily look like me or even think the way I do. And so you think, well, damn, am I going to be accepted in this space? Like I'm too much for some people off camera. So am I going to be too much for, you know, and I did have that thought and, but I would, I remembered her telling me that and I made sure that I was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just give it. I'm going to just be me. And if, if it's not enough, then it's just not for me. Mm. But I can no longer temper who I am to cater to what I think people want me to be. And I, so I didn't, and I got the job. And, and I remember her telling me, she was like, do not change who you are to, because of who you think they want you to be. And I, I, I keep that with me because sometimes you want to waver a little bit. You're like, oh, it'll be so much easier if I could just be agreeable or, you know, it'd be mm. so much easier if I just didn't have this opinion. But you which, know what? Which, yeah, it'll keep you afloat. But then ultimately, what is your impact on the world? Yeah. If you're not being your authentic self. A thousand percent. What is your What's legacy? The point? What's the point? And you What's know the what? impact? There Who are, are you helping? There are days when I don't get in these like Twitter conversations. I just let everybody debate. 
and you know, my mentions stay empty and dry, but the days where I do get involved or I say something, it, it really resonates with certain people, not everybody, but there are people who it resonates with. And when I see that, when I see that it's really being received, I'm like, okay, this is a conver- these are conversations I'm supposed to be a part of. Yeah. And as easy as it would be just to dip out and not participate, I just don't feel like that's part of my journey. Like I'm, I got this big mouth for a reason. It's intentional. Mm, I love that. Nina, listen, as we close out this show, I just want to celebrate you. I celebrate you in private a lot. And I'm like probably the number one always on your Twitter and in your DMs. Like, yes. Yes. Um, But listen, I want to celebrate you on my platform in front of the people that are listening and just let you know that I think you are such a phenomenal woman. And I am so grateful and blessed, not just to have you in my life, but I'm just so grateful and blessed that you exist for the world. Oh, thank you. Because I think the impact that you're making, you're not even going to fully understand Mm. the depths of it and the range of it until you're looking back in 20 years Mm. and saying, oh, bitch, look at me. (laughs) I think you're right, especially because I'm so hard on myself. And it's even sometimes hard when you compliment me because I'm like, Oh, I'm not doing that. Yeah, much. I saw you tighten up. Like yeah. you got uncomfortable. Like, oh, yeah. like even right now you're crossing I know, your right? arms, I cross like my blocking arms. yourself off. I don't know why no, that listen, is. Yeah. Open your heart. Yeah. Accept this love. Like yeah. you are. You're just a phenomenal woman, and I love. Like I know you in my personal life, and I think that you're you're just an incredible friend. You're always there. You're all, like you will show up mm-hmm. when I need you, and mm-hmm. I and I can respect when you're unable to. You know, yeah. but. In, in the world, in the form of what you do, you carry yourself with this standard of excellence and this level of integrity that I think is just, it's just stunning to watch. And I think it's giving not just permission to the people that want to stand up and be in a space like you, but it's giving them the actual blueprint of how to do it the right way. Mm. Even in this day and age where that's very hard to understand, especially a lot of young women are being pulled in these different ways that they think are the best way to get attention that ultimately are not going to get them close to their dreams. But you are a great blueprint for that of just showing someone how to show up as your authentic self in all moments, no matter who it's in front of, and just how to have such a a high level of personal integrity. So I'm just grateful for you. I'm just, I I love you. I celebrate you. You keep me grounded. And just, I think Van Lathan had tweeted the other day that you got him together in like 15 minutes or something. (laughs) And I think I tweeted like, she's good for that. And you are like, you are, you allow me to kind of sometimes emotionally vomit on you (laughs) and just kind of like, Oh, I feel like you ground me because you keep me, you, you check me, but you also like, you'll say, no, look, you did this right. This you could work on. Like, you know what I mean? And I think we all need somebody like that who, you know, just, it's just talking to you feels like a nice massage. And Ooh, that's such a, a girl, I'm going to make that my, my Instagram yes, bio. Girl. A nice it's massage. True. It's true. You mis- give a little soul massage to your friends <laughs> and we need that. So it's just, you know, it's good to have a good tribe. Mm. And I'm so happy that I'm a part of yours and you're a part of mine. Yes. I see you. I love you. I, I love thank you. you. It's been the Dropping Gems podcast. Peace. Big thank you for listening to this episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. This show is executive produced by Adrian Scott and me, Debbie Brown. Our theme music was created by producer Day One and the poem that you heard at the beginning of the show. Well, that was created especially for us by award-winning poet Namdi Okafor. 
If you have a quick moment right now, please hit subscribe on the show. And if you like what you heard, take it a step further and give us a five-star rating. Until next time, you connect with me on IG at Debbie Brown or my website, DebbieBrown.com. Be blessed. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.